Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Get select Ernie Ball strings, three for ten. Save $100 on a Fender Special Edition Strat, or get a Yamaha Acoustic for just $199. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in-store, now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in. This is Locked On Hornets live here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Thursday. A little different. Normally we broadcast live on Tuesdays. We are coming to you live from the heart of the Queen City, the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by an amazing crew of Charlotte Hornets experts. First, holding down the left block, he covers the Hornets for ESPNCharlotte.net, Justin Thomas. Justin, what's going on, my man? I'm a little sad, man. I came in with so much energy, but now I know that <laughs> this might be the last show for a while. I'm, I'm kind of sad. But I'm definitely ready to give us um, help give us a great show today. Well, no, that's a good point. So we, we will be taking a little bit of a hiatus after this show, and we'll be back in a couple weeks to do a recap of the entire season. Plus, coming up in June, we're going to have our pre-draft special, a... Uh, definitely a tradition on this show, a large pre-draft special. Plus, we will be live with you uh, through the draft. Normally, in years past, we've done it uh, with audio, but now with the uh, with now with this YouTube show, we can maybe we'll have some graphics, we'll have some different things going on. You can enjoy maybe uh, dual screening. That's what people do now, right? They dual screen for the past few weeks that we've been getting retrospective about the season that was it was certainly a, it's been a disappointing season we've been going through the multitude of factors that have aligned to derail what we thought would be a second consecutive playoff season for the hornets unfortunately it was not or it may not be uh, they're still not there's mathematically still yeah there's still still hope still not mathematically out of it there were some positive developments that no matter what happens over these next 7 games the hornets can take with them and build on in the next season Recently, I sat down with my good friend and certified SBG, Adam Chin, from Baseline Buzz, and we walked through some of those silver linings. Take a look. So let me ask you then, looking back, having, having both those scenarios or, you know, in the future there, and then looking back, give me your top three positive things. If you look back and say, here's the three things that we can really build on that we really can, can like about oh this. Season. Oh, no. Well, the number one thing is that Kemba continued his... It wasn't a fluke. His got, leap. Got he continued, and, and, and in fact, made a an even higher leap in terms of his ability to hit three point shots and his ability to uh, just score at will when 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 he wanted to. Uh, I think that's a, that's one big positive. I would say that another big positive is that you did not have you had a lot of nagging injuries this season, and the Hornets had little room to have any injuries and they weren't able to sustain really any injuries and they had a few Uh, but you did not have a devastating injury you did not have a season-long injury that made you especially and we're not done yet but especially to a guy like Michael Kidd Gilchrist that would start to make you question that player's future so you didn't have that either 
Um, those are two positives. I like those two. Okay. You, you got one more. You got to give me one more positive. We got to have three. Um, I would say that it's tough. It's tough. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this season was that bad. You can't think of well, no, I just, well, it's not, things. it's not that it wasn't, it's that you had several players take steps back. So I'm, I'm, you know, in terms of just players and then the, the things that the Hornets normally hang their hat on like defense was a real struggle this season. So I can't say, well, you know, they, they stuck to their, you know, foundational principles and they're going to hold that. I will say this, look, they've got, they have a lot of veterans. They have their starting unit locked up. Uh, and that starting unit uh, in terms of their plus minus in terms of their point differential is one of the best starting units in the league when, when they are all healthy. So I, th- I think that could be a positive that look, they bet yes. on, they bet on the starting unit in the off season. They said, we're going to bring back Marvin and we're going to bring back Nick Batum because we really like this starting unit. And, and that particular bet paid off. Now it came at the expense of addressing anything on the bench and that hurt them time and time again this season, but that bet paid off. Well, see that that's where I was going. That's what I was hoping you're going to say. And I basically have the same positives that you do. A Kemba turned into a player that I had never even fathomed he could be in terms of his efficiency and his shooting. And even against the Cavs a couple of nights ago, whenever that was, he, he was, I mean, what do he hit like six, three pointers in that game? And they were so pretty just, you know, just the way he's able to shoot. And it's so his release is so quick and he's just able to, to create, you know, at that three point arc in a way that I never envisioned. him. He's becoming, you know, listen, playing. he's becoming impossible to guard in a, in a horns in a high, like, you know, four or five yes. pick and roll set. I mean, he is when, almost when impossible. Cody and Marvin out to yeah. the three point line. Yeah. It's just, a, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Um, and so, and he's, what is he 27? Or is he turned 27 yet? Or is he still 26? I can't, I can't remember, but he's, he's within 26, 27, right? He's I'll look this, that, that I'll look age. this up and then send him a birthday card. Okay. Okay. I think he's, he's like 26. Still, he's 26 right now. Okay. See, he's 26. I, I mean, I think conservatively, if he can maintain the same level of play or, you know, the efficiency uh, that he's got this year, we got what another two or three seasons of this, right? Mm-hmm. Cause he's a small guy, depends on his quickness, et cetera. So we got two more, two or three more seasons of this, right? Wouldn't you feel like comfortable, at least half comfortable projecting that into the future? Oh, absolutely. I think he has, let's see. Yeah. So he's got, well, that's that's going to be a big question because you know his contract runs out in in eighteen nineteen. So you've got two seasons locked up, and then you know you've got to you've got to make some decisions on there. And you know he makes twelve million dollars, which which after next season will rank oh sixth on the team. So yeah, and he's he's going to make well, what happen for those two years, and then after that they can figure out what to do. There's a bit of a you know if his play doesn't drop off, there's still a bit of a question there because you're going to offer him a max deal more than likely, or somewhat like a max deal for a guy who's five ten and mm-hmm. who's going to be twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's down the road a little bit, but I, overwhelmingly his season has been like a, a massive positive. He's by far the most successful draft choice selected by the Bobcat Hornets franchise since two thousand and four. Yeah, without a doubt, in terms of his development, correct, and, and, and with the team, okay, tremendous positive, okay, okay. Number two to your thing, you could, and, and I'm going to blend this. Your injury thing, a lot of the losses, a lot of the bad stuff happened because there were injuries. Now there weren't any like 
catastrophic injuries to MKG, to Kemba, et cetera, Nick even, right? It was really uh, mostly to Cody, and I'll get back to him in a second, um, and, uh, you know, little dings there for Frank, et cetera. But you could say, okay, well, let's say that five to ten of those losses, if we're going to be, you know, nice, were would have been avoided if they had a healthier team. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say that. And then I'm going to blend that with the bench because the bench was so bad and it was so much worse than last year that you could you could theoretically think, okay, we're, we're going to go in the summer. We're going to get Miles back and he's going to be a massive upgrade over – well, I'm sorry. That was very optimistic. He's going to be an upgrade over Roy and, and, um, and Spencer Hawes, right? And then we're going to get – a couple other guys through either trades, maybe the draft, who are going to help make that bench stronger. Great stuff there from Adam. We've got uh, the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker on the Locked On line right now. He's going to help the Hornets out by giving them some primetime March performers to stay away from in this year's draft. But first, you both just heard my positive things uh, from this season. David, what's the most positive thing in your mind that the Hornets can take away from this season? Oh, well, first of all, uh, hello. It's good to be back with you guys. Well, oh, hello buddy. to you, too. Listen, <laughs> exactly. I don't want to waste any time because you're now, you know, uh, you're uh, so rarely uh, on enough. this YouTube show. I just want to embrace it as much as I enough can. With, embrace the, the Walker. Niceties. Yeah, enough of the niceties. It's, it's kind of like an out-of-body experience, though, real quick. I was just watching you guys, and now I'm talking to you. It's kind of like uh, an interstellar where McConaughey is like, watching like home videos of his own life and he's sitting there just bawling crying i am also bawling crying right now tissues so. tissues just, for crying yes. oh, you're making me sad. <laughs> well, hey the positives are kemba walker all-star uh that was one yeah. of our goals and i think as a fan base and as a show we can pat ourselves on the back uh we got him in the all-star game that's a huge accomplishment not to be overlooked and i think he's going to stay there so i think that's the biggest thing to take away uh, you can find some bright spots in other places, but Kemba asserting himself as a bona fide star, I think, has to be the biggest. Okay, let's get to the reason why you are here, David. Uh, you wanna you wanna make sure that the Hornets draft is as positive as it can be. So you've yep. got uh, some groups of players that the Hornets should maybe stay away from in this year's NBA draft. Take it away. Yeah, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because this is really more for my sanity than anything else. I mean, sure. that's the most important thing right it's, now. It's really all about um, what we think. I think that's the exactly. big takeaway. Exactly. You know, there's there's a couple of prevailing assumptions out there uh, around how the Hornets acquire players. You know, mm-hmm. they're drafting, uh, they're they're drafting habits, if you will. And the number one uh, assumption out there is they're just going to grab whatever guy out of Chapel Hill shows up, uh, you know, yeah. on the draft block. They're just going to get whoever it is. Yeah, how about this guy? We're showing are. this guy right now, Justin Jackson. He's a, he's a hot topic. Right. And so that's my guy. Whatever they do, I don't care what he does in the Final Four. I don't care what other awards he gets. I don't care if he gets a most outstanding player. They cannot draft him. I can't take it. Uh, then I'd have to fight against this assumption, uh, you know, his whole career here. Um, so I, I'm going to say stay away from that. Just just for me, just for me. Forget the fact that, you know, maybe he can shoot it. Forget the fact that maybe he's got a nice little floater that he can – play in the lane but uh, for me and for us out there on twitter that they've got to stay away from this guy well, what do you guys think about that well i think apart from him being from north carolina i think i worry a little bit about justin jackson's just sort of his body type he's got those kind of that, mm-hmm. that tiny mm-hmm. those tiny shoulders and there's some size and strength that it's weirds me out nah. it's weird me <laughs> his shoulders are so close together it's so weird 
But um, but there's some size and strength issues with Justin Jackson too. So mm-hmm. and he just learned how to consistently knock down a three point shot, and now well, he's got to sort of college. now he's got to sort of relearn that. Not just from a distance perspective, but but getting a three point shot in the NBA is a lot different than getting an NBA or getting a three point shot in, in at the college level. I never thought well, I'd agree with you guys on not being a fan of a certain Tar Hill. But I do agree with this. I like Justin mm-hmm. Jackson's game a lot. But my glaring concern with Jackson is he's not strong when he puts it on the floor. Yeah. Am I thinking the NBA is as um, athletic as guys are now? If you're not in a system where you're just going to get open looks, you have to be able to create to a degree. And when Justin Jackson puts the ball on the floor... I'm like, gosh, don't. He's he's just not a good ball handler. And sadly, he's probably coming out this year because he's just had such a really good year, and I believe he's in the lottery. But, I mean, if he won the lottery, I'd definitely tell him to go back to school because his handle definitely needs some work if he's going to play at the next level. All right, what's the next well, grip, David? Well, one thing on Justin Jackson, I will say, though, I think he has developed that NBA range. And I, for me, the strength and finishing around the rim is the number one thing for him to prove on uh, to be an NBA guy. I think he's got a quick enough release, and I think he's tall enough to float it over some of those other guys. So aside from those concerns, uh, like I said, I do think he's had, he's made some pro, uh, some progress and, uh, and can be good. But real quick, you guys, do you know how many Carolina players – the Hornets have drafted in this current incarnation that it ended up on the roster since like the Michael Jordan rich Joe since MJ came in. Um, well, so we, because we had this Zero, discussion, right? David. Yeah. Because, uh, exactly. Michael Jordan came after the Felton may draft. Exactly. Exactly. But so the perception, a, yes. the perception yeah. is baked in. And it's yes. part well, of that. Part of that is that Carolina basketball, not just Carolina basketball, but Duke, you know, ACC, Carolina basketball, is right. very popular here, and so well, it I'm just sort of makes that. sense to people that the Hornets would pursue those draft options. And tall white guys, people don't want any more of that. Uh, you're giving Justin, it your spoiler alert. Jeez. <laughs> well, ju- just just to say, I caramba. There. Uh, the acquisitions, the acquisitions for this team out of Carolina, they've had five players in that time period from Carolina. That's the most of any school. UConn, Duke, Kentucky, and LSU all have four. So, yeah, I mean, good programs, and you see those guys on the team. So that's why that assumption, you know, is out there. Now, Justin, before you steal my thunder, this one might be true. <laughs> this assumption might be true. Uh, the tall white guy stretch four has been rather popular in Charlotte as of late. And there are two guys that have played in the tournament this year and Laurie Markinen and TJ Leaf out of UCLA, Markinen out of Arizona. Now, I don't know if they're going to be around or if Markinen is going to stick around. I think they probably have a shot at Leaf. But again, just for my sanity, if they draft another tall stretch four, I don't know if I'll be able to take it. I don't know if you guys will be able to take it. What did you guys uh, think about these two guys that are playing in the tournament or that have played in the tournament? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm normally a best available player kind of guy. I don't believe that you that drafting for need makes any sense past – I don't think it makes sense at all because you, you want to draft best available when you're in the top three. And then past that, it's such a crapshoot on every player that you just take a guy that you sort of like – uh, you like his style of play, you like, uh, you know, sort of the intangibles, but you don't try to fill a need with, with a guy that you have no idea how his career is going to pan out. So I'm normally like that, but I think they have just such a glut at, uh, of this type of player and they haven't shown the thing is like th- they keep, uh, they keep drafting these power forwards and turning them into centers. 
So I don't right. trust that they could that they could draft a legitimate stretch power forward. The one legitimate one that they do have, they acquired via free agency, and that was Marvin Williams. So I say they experimented in that. Let's they, they there are other more pressing needs in the draft and more impressive players. I think that they don't have to draft that. I have not seen a ton of these two guys play, but it seems like every time I watch them play, they're actually playing well. But I, yep. I, I do agree. I'm like you. Ha- you have Frank. Um, you know, trust and believe that this guy is going to continue to get better, and you're just going to have to leave the experiments at home. Hey, fifteen and seven for Markin, and sixteen and eight for Leaf, mm-hmm. and you know UCLA was a pretty high-powered offense. So, um, again, those guys are probably going to be drafted in and around where the Hornets go. But yeah, they've kind of got a glut of those guys. The only guy I throw in here that I would mention. Uh, who probably won't be around. If he came out, he'd definitely go number one overall is, is Luke May, of course. And I don't think they'll have a chance. <laughs> no, they can't get Luke. Can't get Luke. <laughs> All right, next one. Final one. Final group that the Hornets should stay away from. Final grouping, Doug. We've talked about point guards all year long, and there's a there's a there's a group of senior or junior experienced point guards. Uh, some one that is still playing in Joel Berry. The other two guys from Kansas, Barry. I'm sorry, uh, Devontae Graham and Frank Mason Jr. Um, these guys are still a little bit on the small side for me. Barry, especially, I think he's got the shortest wingspan of anybody out there. Um, wide like a pterodactyl. That's it. <laughs> Not like a pterodactyl. More like a more like a T-Rex. Um, so I don't know that adding their backup point guard or even maybe their third point guard through this draft, even though these guys are experienced is really the way to go. And and these are some of the best players in college basketball, but it's tough to add another shorter, uh, you know, not quite as explosive point guard uh, through the draft for this team, I think. Yeah. And Frank Mason would be that other category that the Hornets, um, and this is backed up a little bit, but probably uh, people make more of it than they should, but that the Hornets like to draft sort of player of the year, seniors that have really good tournaments and that that would fit the bill for frank mason yes Uh, i I like all of those my friend uh thanks for joining us and and um helping the hornets out and staying positive we always appreciate it david and i'll see you tomorrow morning exactly help me help you help you help me hornets that's all i ask (laughs) and that's not much either david walker (laughs) he's going to join me again tomorrow morning uh, to wrap up this week of hornets action here on locked on hornets okay time now for one of our favorite segments this year, we take some hot topics around the Hornets and NBA, and we ask a simple but powerful question. You okay with that? First up, Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that Patrick Ewing, assistant head co- associate head coach for the Charlotte Hornets, is being considered for the Georgetown vacancy. You okay with sending off the big man on the bench? No, I'm not. You don't want? Yo, wait a minute. You don't I'm want not. him to go? Um, actually, I, I thought about this um, long and hard. Okay, um, that's good. And understanding he went to he Georgetown. He does this on the last show. I appreciate that. Uh, at Georgetown, <laughs> you know, that they, they have that good connection with each other. But no, I feel like Patrick Ewing, his first shot needs to be at the NBA. Okay. You've seen Tyron Lou, Steve Kerr, hmm. Mark Jackson. I mean, I don't even want to keep going, but there are other names I can name. And, and all these guys are getting the opportunity, and Big Pat can't get that just yet. And... Georgetown would be nice. I'm pretty sure he's thought about it hard. Like, man, I could go back to my alma mater. That would be great. You know, get that brand going again and make it a power. But no, Pat, stay patient. You'll get an NBA gig one of these days. Stay patient. Well, look, I mean, Ewing has been at the assistant head or the associate head coach or assistant coach game for 15 years. 
So honestly, I don't care whether 15 years, that's a long time. And, and you got guys like Stan Van Gundy, who, uh, he, uh, who you encoached, uh, under in Orlando saying, what, what is he missing? What is he missing at this point? He checks all the boxes, went to Georgetown, has that history, will be a great recruiter, I think. Top 50 and look, player. He just, I think it doesn't matter whether it's college or NBA. I understand your point, but I think he deserves a chance. Although, I want to ask another question. Stan Van Gundy uh, stepping in here. He, he says, uh, I cannot imagine that you're at Georgetown and you do not hire Patrick Ewing. All right. This is the second time that Stan Van Gundy has got all up in the Hornets' business. First was the, uh, first was uh, on the Brandon Jennings situation. Said the deal was all but done. Brandon Jennings was going to the Hornets. And then, of course, the Hornets don't end up with Brandon Jennings. And now Van Gundy, who's a friend of Coach Clifford, we should mention that, but is sticking his nose again in the Hornets' business. Are we okay with that? Is he going to jinx it? Get out of here, Gundy. <laughs> nah, we don't want it no more. Quit messing around in, in Hornets land. Stay oh, there. man. Yeah, there's enough going on there in Detroit you got to deal with. <laughs> Thank God, they're a mess right now. All right, next one. Uh, old friend, friend of the show, Lance to make him dance. Lance Stevenson signs a three-year, $12 million deal with the Pacers. You okay with that? I am. I am. I think Lance thought the grass was greener on the other side. And then you realize that some place didn't even have grass. Um, so I'm glad he is going back home. He needs to just go back there. There's not much of a distraction in Indiana. Play basketball. Get back under Larry Bird and uh, play good basketball, please. I mean, listen, Lance plays basketball for a living. I'm glad that he is continuing to make money doing that for a living. I don't understand this from the Pacers' perspective, though. They're just collecting these combo guards. Doesn't make any sense. Although, I will say I'm very okay with this because right now the Pacers sit at one game below 500, right on the bubble, and falling fast, lost their last two games. Uh, and the Hornets, I don't, they don't have a tiebreaker against Indiana either, so they would need to be a full game clear of Indiana. So listen, Pacers, go ahead. I don't. Lance Stevenson's not going to solve your problems. I, I think maybe this could be viewed in a strange way as more of a locker room thing because Paul George came out and was very positive about this acquisition. They've had some issues uh, in that locker room, so maybe that's what that's what this is more about. Um, so Lance Stevenson, we're okay with this. We're okay with this. Okay. All right, final one. ESPN uh, did some management rankings. The 2017 management rankings uh, came out, and uh, they're still not done with these, uh, but the Hornets not faring well so far. Uh, overall, they are ranked 21st. The general manager, uh, Rich Cho, is ranked 20th out of these NBA teams, and Coach Clifford ranked 17th. Uh, we did a poll on Twitter. Let's take a look at this. Hornets GM Rich Cho ranked 20th. What do you think, Buzz City? And we have, uh, what are these numbers? They're a little small on the screen here. I should have pulled it up on my Twitter. 48% just right. 20% too low. 34 too high. Too high kind of made a run there at the end uh, because <laughs> too high was not doing too well. Uh, what do you think, Justin, uh, on Rich Cho 20th? in these rankings, uh, too low, too high, just right? Oh, I, I think he could be a little bit higher, but 20, I'm, I, it, it doesn't kill me. I think 20 could be all right. Yeah, I think, um, so I think he could climb up to like 17. I feel like he's he's done a better job than the Pacers because, I mean, look at the yes. Pacers' roster construction. It's, it's It hasn't made sense for two seasons. And they keep doing one thing, 
in terms of what they do in, in the general manager's office, and then and then the coach wanting to run a completely different system, doesn't seem like they've been in sync for a long time. Uh, Minnesota is above the, uh, Rich Cho at eighteen, but like, what has Minnesota done other than draft, draft the obvious guy? Right? <laughs> I mean, right, Kurt? Like they don't. It's not like they've made. Like I'll give. Uh, organizations that have made draft picks that ended up being savvy. Like Portland is 13th. Great. Damian Lillard. They got him. Uh, they got McCollum when when uh, other teams weren't as high on those guys. So good on you. They draft better. That's where Cho gets dinged, I think, in the draft. And maybe that's unfair. The owner's rankings, we're going to see those on Friday. But a lot of people would say, you know, Cho has some ownership issues to deal with in yes. the draft that other maybe GMs have a little bit more control over the draft, however fair that statement is. Um, so, but I think he's better than than Minnesota. I think he's better than Indiana. Uh, who else above him? Stan Van Gundy as uh, as president of the Pistons and then GM Jeff Bauer. Like, what 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 has Detroit done uh, that makes it. you think Reggie Jackson hasn't worked? No, and, and no, they keep making these little maneuvers that don't work out, don't pan out, and now they're free falling. So I really don't understand that. Okay, I'm not okay with that. I'm definitely not okay with that. All right, now let's get to the coach though. Seventeenth for. My man, Steve Clifford. I'm definitely not okay nah, with 17. Peter Griffin would not like this. This is definitely grinding his gears. How is Billy Donovan tied for 14 and Clifford is 17? Someone tell me right now why Billy Donovan has proven to be a better coach. What, I mean, other than having Russell Westbrook, I mean, maybe, maybe they're giving him a, a little bit of a boost for coming out of college and having success in the NBA because we know that's a little bit difficult for college coaches. Uh, he has been able to manage that situation, and it has not become a, an, a, you know, a, a disaster after Kevin Durant left. So maybe they're giving it to him there. Um, yeah, I'm putting, I'm putting Clifford uh, probably above Thibodeau. I think he's better than Tyron Lue, too. Well, I'll give Tyron Lue this. That's a very difficult situation coaching LeBron James. Yeah, that and, is true. That and, is true. And I feel like uh, you have not had those same kind of dust ups that he had uh, with previous regimes. Um, so I'm okay. I'm okay with Lue being ten. But I think I think you can put Budenholzer above Clifford. I think you can. Uh, I can't really make an argument one way or the other for Fizdale. So I'm sliding him. I just think, look, 17 is below average. You tell me that trash. of the 30 coaches that Clifford is below average. I, I'll tell you where I think he got dinged. If I had to make a guess, I would say that this season had more to do with it than anything, because this was a, we came into this season and Clifford almost had this air of he can transform players. He can transform players that don't normally play defense into players that can play defense. Okay, they brought in Roy Hibbert. That didn't work out. They brought in Marco Bellinelli. He has not become a, a better defender than, than he has been in, in previous seasons. And then you see Nick Batum's drop-off in defense. And Clifford has not been able, uh, or not, not even not been able, but the team has not bought in to what Steve Clifford sells or has sold for the past few years. And I think that could have resulted in him dropping a bit. But, you know, I just I don't understand. Dwayne Casey with the Raptors, too. I'm not sure. Uh, I think that's a product of just having some more talent. Yeah, I'm not sure I, I agree with that one either. Um, but I'm glad he's above Jason Kidd. If, if Jason Kidd would have been put above Steve Clifford, I think I would have well, I saw Billy upset. Donovan. I was at work like, what? Yeah, Billy Donovan? All right. So uh, let us know what you think on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. Uh, what do you think? 17, is that good enough for Steve Clifford? 
20? Is that good enough for Rich Cho? A majority of our audience thinks that it was just right. And, you know, I think when you look back on the moves, he's made some very savvy trades. Yep, he has. But one could make a, a, a good argument that when you are a, a, a you know, mid-level franchise like the Hornets, you know, to, to transform the franchise, it's got to be done through the draft. Yes. And, you know, only the big – it seems like only the championship contenders can really make those type of moves like Toronto made for Serge Ibaka. Like the Hornets aren't making that type of move. Okay, so I think that he's got to he's got to draft better in order to to raise that ranking. And we should say this that Coach Clifford cares not for these rankings. I can no. guarantee you, Rich Cho cares not for these rankings. I can guarantee you. And I was thinking, like maybe maybe should I ask Cliff about this? Nah, Cliff no, ain't going to hear. I would. Hey, Black Cliff, you seen these new rankings? He'll be like, oh, I was just playing. I was just playing, Coach. I was just playing. No. Yeah, I would I would definitely not uh, definitely not do that. So, yeah, the ownership rankings come out Friday. I don't expect uh, MJ. No. <laughs> I don't expect MJ to get too much credit. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked on Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.